section four of lives of the ancient philosophers this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. lives of the ancient philosophers by francois fenelon section four solon part one solon born in the third year of the thirty-fifth olympiad praetor at athens in the third year of the forty-fifth olympiad died at the beginning of the fifty-fifth aged seventy-eight years solon was born at salamis in the thirty-fifth olympiad or six hundred and thirty-seven years before christ his parents were athenians his father exochestides was descended from codrus the last king of athens and his mother was cousin german to the mother of pisastrus he employed a part of his youth in travelling into egypt at that time the grand theatre of the learned world having made himself fully acquainted with the form of government and everything relative to the laws and customs of the country he returned to athens where his uncommon merit and distinguished birth procured for him the highest offices in the state solon possessed great wisdom combined with vigor firmness and sincerity he was an excellent orator and poet an able legislator and a brave soldier during the whole of his life he exhibited the most lively zeal for the liberty of his country a hatred of tyranny and an indifference for the aggrandizement of his own family he never any more than thales attached himself to any particular master he neglected the investigation of physical causes in order that he might devote his whole attention to the moral and political condition of man he was the author of that excellent maxim observe moderation in all things solon was induced by the great reputation of thales to undertake a journey to miletus in order to see him one day being in familiar conversation with the philosopher he said to him i am astonished thales that you never chose to marry you might have had children whose education would have been a source of the greatest pleasure to you thales made no reply at the moment but some days after he got a man whom he had instructed in his design to come in as a stranger just arrived from athens well said solon what news none that i know replied the stranger except indeed the burial of a young athenian whose funeral was attended by the whole city for he was a youth of distinguished rank and a son of a man who is held in the greatest estimation by the people his father has been away from athens some time and his friends are resolved to conceal this afflicting event from him for they are afraid that his grief might prove actually fatal to him unfortunate father replied solon do you know his name i have heard it frequently replied the pretended stranger but at this moment i cannot call it to mind i only know that he is said by every one to be a man of extraordinary wisdom solon became more and more uneasy every instant his countenance changed and at last he could not forbear inquiring if the name was solon yes that is the name exclaimed the stranger as if suddenly recollecting it 
solon overcome with the most acute and violent grief began to rend his clothes to tear his hair and beat his breast and in short abandon himself to all the excesses usually given way to by those who are overwhelmed with affliction of what avail is all this lamentation said thales this weeping for a loss which all the tears in the world cannot restore alas exclaimed solon that is the very cause of all my tears i weep an evil that is without the possibility of remedy at last thales could not help laughing at the fantastic gesticulations into which solon threw himself o oh, solon said he to him o oh, my friend you now know what it is that has always made me afraid of marrying i dread the yoke of matrimony and i learn by the grief of the wisest men that the firmest heart is not proof against the afflictions which may spring from love and parental affection grieve however no longer for all that you have heard is only a fiction invented for the purpose of affording us amusement a dispute concerning the island of salamis had for a long time involved the athenians and megarians in a destructive warfare with each other at length after considerable loss on both sides the athenians who certainly had the worst of it weary of shedding blood made a decree that whosoever should be hardy enough to propose a renewal of the war in order to recover salamis at that time in possession of the megarians should pay the forfeit of life to his temerity solon was afraid of speaking lest he should expose his personal safety to hazard but he was equally afraid of remaining silent lest he should endanger the interests of his country he therefore resolved to counterfeit madness in order that under the plea of disordered intellect he might be privileged to act and speak as he might think fit he soon found means to get it circulated throughout the city that he had been deprived of his reason having composed some verses in the elegiatic measure and committed them to memory he set out from his own house dressed in coarse clothes all in rags with a cord about his neck and a greasy old cap upon his head then proceeding to the stone from which it was usual to utter proclamations he mounted it and contrary to his custom recited his own poetry would that the gods had so ordained it he exclaimed that athens had never been the place of my nativity would that i had been born in Phologandros, in sicinus or in some still more barbarous and frightful spot then at least i should not have known the grief of seeing myself pointed at with the finger of scorn and of hearing it said behold an athenian who has basely survived the loss of salamis oh let us quickly avenge the affront that has been put upon us and regain possession of the delightful abode which our enemies so unjustly withhold from us so forcible was the impression made on the minds of the athenians by this address that they immediately revoked the edict they had issued took up their arms once more and resolved again to attack the megarians solon was appointed to command the troops he embarked them in fishing boats attended by a galley of thirty-six oars and anchored very near salamis the megarians who were in the town took the alarm and ran to arms in great disorder 
they sent one of their own vessels to ascertain the cause of their fears but approaching too near it was captured by solon who immediately put in chains the megarians by whom it was manned and supplied their places with the bravest of his athenians these he commanded to sail to salamis and to keep themselves out of sight as much as they could he then took with him the rest of his troops effected a landing in another part of the island and went in pursuit of the megarians who had fled to the fields and whilst he was attacking them those whom he had sent with the vessel arrived and made themselves masters of the town solon having thus defeated the megarians set at liberty without any ransom the prisoners whom he had taken in the engagement and erected a temple in honour of the god mars on the spot where he had gained the victory the megarians notwithstanding this repulse still continuing some time after to make obstinate though useless attempts for the recovery of salamis it was at length agreed by all parties that the matter should be referred to the lacedaemonians for a final decision solon proved to the deputies from sparta that phileus and eurylus children of ajax king of salamis had settled at athens and had given the athenians the island in question on condition that they themselves should be made citizens of athens he caused a number of tombs to be opened in order to show that the people of salamis turned the faces of their dead to the same quarter as was observed by the athenians namely to the west whereas the megarians turned them to the opposite quarter the east and that the name of the family to which the deceased belonged was engraved on the coffin a custom practised by the athenians only the people of megara were not long however without their revenge deadly feuds had subsisted for many years between the descendants of cylon and those of megacles and at this time they were carried to a height that seemed to threaten the city with inevitable destruction cylon had formerly endeavoured to make himself master of the sovereignty of athens his design was discovered and he and many of his accomplices were massacred those who could effect their escape took refuge in the temple of minerva megacles who was then archon or chief magistrate by fair words and specious representations persuaded the delinquents to present themselves before the judges holding in their hands one end of a thread of which the other was attached to the altar of the goddess in order that they might still retain their claim on the temple for an asylum unfortunately as they were descending the steps the thread broke and megacles pretending to construe the accident into a sign that the goddess refused them her protection laid hands on several of them who were immediately stoned by the people and even those who had regained the altar were almost all without distinction put to death only a few being spared and restored to liberty at the intercession of the wives of the magistrates so black a crime rendered both the magistrates and their descendants from that time odious to the people the descendants of cylon in the course of time became extremely powerful and the hatred subsisting for so many years between the parties daily increased 
solon being at that time magistrate and fearing that their contentions might involve the whole city in ruin gained the consent of both parties to suffer their disputes to be decided by arbitration the judges gave their opinion in favour of the descendants of cylon the posterity of megacles was therefore banished and the bones of their dead dug out of their graves and scattered beyond the athenian territories to the megarians these divisions afforded a favourable opportunity of renewing their attacks they took up arms when the tumults were at their height and succeeded in recovering salamis scarcely was this sedition appeased when another arose which threatened no less danger in its consequences the poorer classes being greatly involved in debt were continually getting adjudged as slaves to their creditors who sold them or made them labor according to their pleasure a great number of these poor citizens at length assembled together and resolved to choose a leader who might prevent for the future their being treated as slaves in case of their debts not being paid at the day appointed and also to oblige the magistrates to make an equal division of the wealth of the state as lycurgus had done at sparta the discontents arose to such a height and the minds of the seditious were so inflamed that the higher orders were at a loss for means of appeasing them at length solon was applied to by consent of both parties in order to bring the disputes to an amicable termination it was not without reluctance that solon took upon himself so responsible an office and it was only his desire to serve his country that at last induced him to accept it he had been frequently heard to say that equality prevented all disputes each party construed this axiom in favor of itself the poor expected that he would place all men on an equal footing the rich on the contrary imagined that he would proportion all his distributions according to the birth and dignity of the individuals thus all ranks interpreting his sentiments according to their own wishes were so disposed to be satisfied with him that they pressed him to accept of the sovereign power even those who were not personally interested in the disputes unable to suggest a more effectual means of reconciling them willingly consented to receive as their master one who was esteemed not only as the wisest but also the best of men solon however showed at once his repugnance to the proposal and declared that nothing should ever induce him to comply with it his most attached friends could not forbear blaming him on this occasion you are very foolish said they to him why should you because there is an odium attached to the empty name of tyrant refuse a monarchy which would eventually be your legitimate right was not timondus declared king of euboea and does not pittacus at this time reign at Medellin? solon however still maintained his ground and declared publicly that nothing should make him change his opinion lawful dominion and absolute power are very fine things to be sure replied he but he who accepts them is surrounded with snares on every side which once entangled among he has no chance of escaping no arguments could prevail upon him to profit by the favourable disposition of the people towards him and his friends were forced to content themselves with setting him down for a fool 
or a madman solon meanwhile applied himself sedulously to settle the differences which continued to disturb athens he began by a decree that all debts contracted up to that period should be cancelled and that the debtors should be liable to no demand whatsoever on account of them in order to set an example to the public he remitted a debt of seven talents due to himself as his father's heir and to prevent the recurrence of similar inconveniences from the same source he declared all such debts as might be contracted on bodily security to be null and void these regulations at first gave satisfaction to neither party the rich were discontented because they were deprived of what they considered to be their lawful right and the poor were no better pleased because they were not admitted to share in the possessions of the rich nevertheless in the end all ranks were so fully convinced of the wisdom of solon's regulations by the beneficial effects of their results that they made choice of him afresh to settle the differences that arose between three factions by which athens was split into parties invested him with complete power to reform the laws accordingly as his judgment might dictate and to establish such a form of government as he might think best the inhabitants of the mountainous parts of the country wished that the administration of affairs should rest with the great body of the people those of the low country pretended on the contrary that it would be managed best by a limited number of the most considerable citizens whilst the inhabitants of the sea-coast advocated a mixed form of government in which an equal number of magistrates should be chosen from both ranks of the people solon being now chosen sovereign arbiter of all the reigning differences began by abrogating on the account of their excessive severity all the laws of his predecessor draco under whose administration the slightest offences and the most enormous crimes were punished indiscriminately with death insomuch that it was no less dangerous to be convicted of idleness or of pilfering fruit or vegetables than to commit sacrilege murder or any other crime accounted most infamous hence arose the saying that the laws of draco were written in blood being asked why he had thus allotted death to every offence without distinction he replied because the least fault deserves that punishment and i know of none more severe for the most enormous crimes solon divided the people into three classes according to the property of each individual at the time he admitted all the people into the direction of public affairs except mere artisans who lived by their labor they were excluded from public offices and did not enjoy the same privileges as the other citizens the principal magistrate he decreed should always be selected from among the citizens of the first class solon also ordained that he who in any public tumult should remain perfectly neutral should be accounted infamous that if a man should contract marriage with a rich heiress and should be convicted of impotency his wife should be at liberty to form any connection that might be agreeable to her among his immediate relations that women should bring to their husbands no other dower than three robes and a few articles of furniture of moderate value 
that an adulterer taken in the act might be put to death with impunity he also limited the expenses of women of condition and abolished a number of ceremonies which they had been in the habit of observing he prohibited speaking ill of the dead and permitted persons who had no children to leave their property to whomsoever they pleased provided they were of sane mind at the time of making their testaments he ordained that he who had dissipated his property should be accounted infamous and be deprived of all his privileges in the same manner as one who should refuse to support his parents in their old age he decreed however that the son who had not been taught whilst young any means of getting his own livelihood should not be compelled to maintain his father that no foreigner should be admitted as a citizen of athens unless banished forever from his native country or unless he came with all his family to athens for the purpose of exercising some profession here he reduced the rewards usually assigned to the athlete or wrestlers and decreed that the children of those who had fallen in battle for their country should be educated at the public cost that a guardian should not live under the same roof with the mother of his wards and that the next heir should never be chosen in the capacity of guardian that all theft should be punished with death and that he who should cause the loss of an eye to another should be condemned to lose both his own these laws of solon were all engraved on tablets the members of the council met together in assembly and bound themselves by oath to observe them and to cause them to be strictly observed by others those also to whom the care of them was confided solemnly swore that in case of any one of them failing in his duty he should be obliged to present to the temple of apollo a statue of gold of equal weight with himself and judges were also established to interpret the laws whenever any dispute respecting their precise meaning might arise among the people one day while solon was framing his laws anacharsis rallied him on his undertaking what said he do you flatter yourself that you will be able to repress the injustice and passions of men by written injunctions such decrees added he in fact are like spider-webs they only entrap flies all men set a value replied solon on those things which immediately concern themselves my laws shall be so organized that the citizens shall find their interest more concerned in the observance than the violation of them he was asked why he had made no law for the punishment of parasites because said he i never could bring myself to believe that any one could ever be so utterly depraved as to kill his father or his mother end of section four